characterize Lot. That we looked at Lot, and this is just all review. So if you missed Memorial Day last week, don't worry. We we just kind of reviewing for you. He Lot was a compromiser. He was a compromiser, and it cost him everything. He was a righteous man. Bible says, but he compromised in a lot of ways with the world, and it pretty much cost him his family. It cost him. It cost him everything. Really, he was a compromiser, and uh, Lot is kind of set up against uh, Abraham, who we know is the pinnacle of faith. Right? He is uh, faithful, and he has done so much that I mean, he is sure enough God's man. Um, Today in Genesis chapter twenty, what we're going to see is as we've been walking through Genesis, you remember the. God made at the very beginning of Genesis after the man fell he promised he would send a seed and that seed would be born of a woman and that seed would crush Satan's head uh, and that of course we know that seed is Jesus Christ and uh, and so he has protected that promise up until now what we're going to see today is that he's going to protect it again he's going to protect it in Genesis chapter 20 he's going to protect it from Abraham Abraham is God's chosen man. Abraham is the man that God has chosen for the seed of the woman uh, to come through. Uh, Abraham is Jesus' great, 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 you know, whatever grandson. And uh, Abraham has exhibited the characteristics of faith all through. You know, we've seen him mess up. We've seen him sin. But he has been, I mean, just think of the things that Abraham has done. He has... Uh, he saw God. Uh, God gave him a vision of the covenant that where God made the covenant with him uh, uh, completely on his own, where there's no stipulation on Abraham. God, remember, he walked through the pieces himself in Genesis 15. We saw uh, Abraham saddle up and go after the, the armies that took Lot, you know, and conquer them and bring Lot and back. We saw Abraham stand against the king of Sodom when he tried to bribe Abraham and do a. I mean, we've seen him exhibit uh, just a crazy amount of faith. Well, in chapter 20, Abraham is going to, he's going to do something stupid again. In fact, I probably need y'all's help. Y'all are going to have to, y'all going to have to speak up a little bit and give me some suggestions because I can't understand it. I can't understand. We're going to learn some things about Abraham that show He's not that much different than we are. I mean, he's done some wonderful things, but we're going to see that all through this whole time, I mean, through his whole life, through the 25 years that between when God called him out of his land to where he is now, uh, he's exhibited some characteristics of faithlessness this whole time. And so... He's going to do, you, you know the story, he's going to do the same stupid thing here that he did in, in chapter 12. Um, and what it's going to show you, let me just go on and give you where we're going, and that way you'll know as we're moving what, kind of what direction we're heading. We're going to see that even a man like Abraham, even a man who is, he is faithful to God, he's God's chosen man, he is, I mean, he's the deal. Even he has this these sins that he's battling with and these these things that keep coming back. I mean, surely I'm not the only one, y'all. Y'all know y'all have each one of us has our own little proclivities and we have our own little uh, sins that it seems like as soon as you think you got victory over here, it rises up again. Ooh, and you're like, man, I got I gotta gotta go after that again. You know, now I gotta fight this battle again. And so you're gonna see that Abraham is the same as you and I. He has the 
these sins that keep on gnawing at him, keep on coming, and it's going to it's going to affect him. Um, verse one and two, uh, we probably I'd like to I'd like to get through the whole chapter if we can. It says, and Abraham journeyed from thence. Remember what just happened? Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah had just been destroyed, uh, and uh, Lot has just been violated i guess for lack of a better word by his two daughters in the cave and um it's uh we see where that the lines of his two daughters came from and then the next next sentence says and abraham journeyed from thence toward south the south country and dwelled between kadesh and shore and journeyed and sojourned in gerar uh and abraham said of sarah his wife she is my sister and abimelech king of gerar sent and took sarah the same dead gum thing yeah the same remember the same thing happened in egypt yeah he did the exact same thing he said sarah Sarah's my sister. And what happened? Pharaoh came and took her. And, it, you know, it, he did the same sin. I mean, and we saw when we looked at it in chapter 12, as we were walking through Genesis, we saw Abraham learned a lesson from that, didn't he? I mean, he learned, he learned that, you know, he got scolded by a pagan king. He learned that he didn't trust God's promise. You know, he, he learned all kind of things, so much so that when the king of Sodom offered him money, he said, no, no, I'm not going to get into this with you. But here he is doing the exact same thing. What do you think is going through his head? Huh? <laughs> it worked last time. That's interesting because you're going to let me just let you in a little secret. I, I was going to hold it to the end. He's been doing this for 25 years. We've only got the record of Pharaoh and we've only got the record of Abimelech. Everywhere he went, he was doing this. So evidently it did work in a few places and it didn't, you know, here. Remember what we said? <coughs> this is. Um, this is not like Abraham pimping his wife out or something like that. This is him uh, protecting himself. Uh, what would happen is if if a, if a brother and sister, if there's no father around, the brother had the responsibility of the sister. And if you wanted to court or date or marry the sister, you would have to come through the brother if there's no father. And you would, you know, give him gifts and the dowry or whatever you want to call it. And you would have to woo the brother to allow him to say. And so they were playing this game where they would come and uh, people would say, hey, I want I want Sarah. She's looking pretty good. What do I got to do? And Abraham said, well, you give me 20 donkeys. Maybe we can work something out. And, you know, he was just pushing them off. He was kind of keeping them back and he was benefiting from it. And then they would leave town and go somewhere else. And so the ruse, you know, backfired on them in Egypt when Pharaoh, he didn't have to go through the brother. He just came and took her. And now it did it again when Abimelech came and he took her. Abimelech is not a guy's name. It's a title like Pharaoh. So you're going to meet another Abimelech in chapter 12. 23 and then David talks about an Abimelech in uh, uh, Psalm 34 and so Abimelech is a Philistine Pharaoh for lack of a better word y'all with me mm -hmm. and so he had been doing this we're gonna see that he'd been doing this for all this time he 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 never went anywhere where he didn't tell people that Sarah was was his was his sister but look what he's done once again he by his own stupidity by his own sin he has put the promise in jeopardy 
God promised it. Remember the chapter before this one. God said in less than a year, Sarah's going to have your son and your son's going to be the seed. He's going to be the seed promise. Well, now how's it going to happen? He, by his own sin, by his own stupidity, he has jeopardized God's promise. Can't have, I mean, you can't have no kid if she's in Abimelech's harem. You know, if he touches her, if he does anything to her, then it'll be it'll be always questioned. Was that really Abraham's kid or was that Abimelech's kid? You know, it, it, the promise of God now is in jeopardy. And we know that God will always keep his promise. Heaven and earth can come against uh, uh, God's promise and it will always be kept. And so that has uh, application for us. And we're going to see that in a minute. So God is going to intercede for his promise. He's going to he's going to he's going to slow the roll of all these folks. He's going to come and he's going to say, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not going to let this happen." And he is going to come. I always wonder, y'all got to help me. Why did he appear to he's going to appear to Abimelech and tell him what's going on, tell him what needs to happen? Why not appear to Abraham? He's going to intercede to protect his promise. And so what he does is he appears to Abimelech in a dream and basically says, hey, guess what? <laughs> You're a dead man. He says in verse 3, he says, but God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said, behold, thou art but a dead man. For the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. Now, he comes to Abimelech in a dream and he says, you're on death row, buddy. I mean, you're a dead man because you've taken another man's wife. There's a couple things you need to see, a couple things that stood out to me. Man, y'all sure are quiet. Um, he is, God is holding this pagan king accountable to his law of marriage. You see that? Mm -hmm. So, what, what I gained from, what I thought when I read it was, God, remember we talked about God's standard of marriage back in Genesis 2. We've talked about it over and over again. But here, God is holding this pagan king, this Philistine king, accountable to his law of marriage. Which means that his law of marriage, his covenant of marriage, is for all people. Yes. At all times, in all eras. It doesn't change. And what was surprising to me is, uh, Abimelech... Messed up somebody else's covenant of marriage. See, Abimelech never made a covenant of marriage. He never made a, he never made a, you know, a covenant to whoever. You know. He injected himself into the covenant of somebody else, and God holds him accountable for that. Does that yes. give you application for anything like the, you know, like it, 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 it's it's breaking the law of God to fiddle with somebody else's covenant of marriage. Does that make sense? You see that? It's not just the two that are in covenant and you know you say of course if one breaks the covenant of course you know that that's against God's law. It's the one on the outside that's injecting himself into the covenant of marriage. You see that? Everybody see that? Y'all with me? Mm -hmm. Any questions, comments, cries of outrage, anything? Nothing? Y'all see that? He's holding. He doesn't just hold. This isn't just for. This isn't just for a certain people at a certain time. He holds him accountable. He holds him accountable for the interference in the marriage of a bit of uh, Abraham 
and Sarah. He says, you are a dead man. He says, because the woman you took is another man's is another man's wife. Uh, and we're going to see Abimelech has got excuses out the wazoo. He says, but Abimelech had not come near her, which means he hadn't touched her. He says he hadn't come near her, and he said, Lord, will thou slay also a righteous nations, nation? Said he not unto me, he's talking about Abraham, didn't Abraham say to me, she is my sister? And then this blows my mind. He says, and she, Sarah, even said to herself, he is my brother. Are you kidding? Right. I mean, Sarah was in on it as well. Yeah. So it wasn't just Abraham. Remember we talked about Abraham saying she's my sister. And we talked about Pharaoh coming to take her. And you can imagine Sarah. Well, oh, I see how it is. Abraham just pawned me off with some donkeys. You know, we talk about it. She's in on the deal. She told, she told them he's my brother. She was part of the ruse. She was part of the lie. She was part of the deal. And when they left out of Egypt, they left with like... They left a whole lot richer than when they came. Yes, and they so, did. You know, so maybe they were thinking, hey, maybe we can look up. Maybe we, yeah, maybe, maybe that it's profitable. Um, and we're going to see in verses 17 and 18 later on, Abraham reveals to us that he'd been doing this the whole time. I mean, his whole life he'd been doing this. So this is not just a momentary slip up where, oops, I messed up. And he'd been doing this. He'd been doing this since he left, since 25 years earlier when God called him. And so he says, uh, Abimelech says, hey, God, are you going to kill a righteous nation? They told me in verse 5 of Genesis 20, they told told me that this was a brother this was a sister and so he says he says um, in the integrity of my heart and innocency of my hands have I done this he claims innocency and we're going to see innocence is that a word innocency innocent innocent it is now <laughs> write it down he claims to be innocent he claims to be innocent I didn't know I didn't have a clue and we're going to see that God does see that yeah it's true that you didn't have a clue but that does not that does does not clear him of the guilt. God is going to tell him, okay, if you want to be saved from my judgment, this is what you're going to have to do. First, you're going to have to give her back. Second, you're going to have to have Abraham pray for you. I mean, we're going to see that in a minute that God has closed the wounds of everyone in Abimelech's house and he has judged Abimelech. He basically told him, you're a dead man. You're a dead man because you've taken this guy's wife. And so Abimelech says, I didn't know. I didn't know. They they told me they were brother and sister. Both of them are in on it. They've done this to me. But it doesn't matter. Do you see the... Uh, what would we call it? The... Uh, Ignorance is not an excuse. Right. If you break the law, you've broken the law. Just like something stupid, like speeding. You know, you can't go out. The cop says, hey, you know, you're going 15 miles over speed limit. You can say, I didn't know what speed limit was. That's not going to keep you from getting a ticket. You know, it's not going to keep you from having to pay the fine. Understand, if you break the law of God, even in ignorance, and trust me, we do it all the time. I mean, we break his law on a daily basis. If he showed us on the screen here how many times we break his law on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, it would shock you to see how truly wicked we 
are in our flesh, in our heart. And that would make, I mean, to me, that makes Jesus stand out all the more that yes. he saved us from all the yes. stuff that we don't even know we've done. We, he saved us from stuff that we, we won't know just how precious he is to us until that day when we stand before him and all our sins are revealed. And it'd be like, it's going to be like, oh my goodness, every moment of every day just about. And Jesus paid for those things. And so God doesn't take ignorance as a excuse. But he says, God said to him in a dream, he says, yeah, I know that thou did this in the integrity of thy heart. That means I know that you didn't do it meaning to break up this marriage. He says, for I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore, I suffered, suffered I thee not to touch her. Now think about that for a minute. Think about that. God says, okay, I understand that you really didn't know that they were deceiving you. He said, that's why I kept you from sinning against me. I kept you from sinning against me and I didn't suffer you to touch her. Now think about what that means just for wow. a minute. God, that is, I mean, that's some grace. Yeah. If it was, you know, you know the deal. I mean, I don't have to paint you a picture. When a king grabs a woman and says, she's going to be part of my harem. I mean, I, I don't have to paint the picture for you. God intervened on Abraham and Sarah's behalf because God made a promise to Abraham that had to be fulfilled. And he did not let, that's what it says. He did not allow Abimelech to touch her. Now we don't know, I don't know how, I mean I don't know how it happened, I don't know exactly what he did or what he didn't do, but God will not let Abimelech claim innocence. God will not let Abimelech say, hey, I'm a good guy, I really didn't do anything wrong, I didn't even touch her, I mean it's all good, no harm, no foul. God's not going to let him do that. God's going to say, hey, you're, I'm the one that kept you from touching her. I'm the one that kept you, notice he says, from sinning against who? Abraham and Sarah? No. no. From sinning against me. To interfere, for, for a person, Abimelech, to interfere into the marriage covenant of another is to sin against God himself. That's what he says. I kept you from sinning against me. I mean, you got to, if, if I had, if God spoke to me in these terms, you, you know Abimelech is just terrified. I mean, he's terrified out of his dead gum mind that he has, he has, because of the deception, albeit fairly, of the deception of Abraham and Sarah, he has been thrust into the wrath of God. And it's like, now, I mean, you're in trouble. The first thing he said to him, you're a dead man. You're a dead man for what you've done. And so Abimelech saying, no, it's not my fault. I didn't do anything. I hadn't touched her. God says, no, I kept you. I kept you from touching him. He is, he's showing his omni, omniscience and his omnipotence, right? Mm -hmm. he, all, he knows everything. He says, I know you didn't touch her. And he shows his power. I kept you from touching her. Or he says, I know that you didn't intentionally take her, uh, thinking that she was another guy's wife. But I kept you. I kept you from, from touching her. Now, think about this. God kept this man from sinning against him. 
God's powerful enough to keep this man from sinning against him. Now we know why he did it. Why did he do it? For the promise. Because God's made a promise. And if this guy would have done his deal or interjected himself into the family of Abraham and Sarah, God's promise would have failed. And so God powerfully protects the promise that he made to Abraham and Sarah, which we know is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So it directly affects us. This is not just a story way back about Abraham. Let's all learn about Abraham. This affects us because we're part of the promise that God is protecting right here. We're part of that promise in Jesus Christ. And so when he says, I kept you from sinning, why doesn't God keep mankind from sinning today? Why didn't he keep me from sinning? You ever wonder? I, I mean, I don't have no perfect answer. I'm just asking. Because we have free will? Yes, we do. But did Abimelech? Mm-hmm. He did too. And if it was up to him, he probably would have jumped in. He probably would have jumped in the rowboat. You know what I mean? Because God made humans and not robots. You know, he he gave he made us in His image and gave us. You know, like she said, free will. And yes, He gave him for everything is free will as well. But also the the promise of who was to come, Jesus, who He is, and it was greatly more important. That's that was the goal at hand. You know, He was saving the entire world, not just Abraham. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was the it was the bigger picture. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I can't explain, I can't deny that. Yes, sir. I think it shows me that God intervenes in the affairs of man. Oh, he absolutely does. And it also shows me that God restrains mankind's sin. I mean, if it wasn't for if it wasn't for the hand of God on our lives, we would we would be rampant rampaging sinners. If we were turned over to the flesh of our own desires, to our own... He talks about that in Romans 1. Men who, men and women who are turned over to a reprobate mind. If it wasn't for the restraining hand of God... I'm not saying that we're perfect. God doesn't... God allows us, you know, the freedom to sin or not to sin. But He... When it comes to His promise... And this is where we're going, so you need to understand this. God made a promise to you if you are in Jesus Christ that that you will forever be in Jesus Christ and that there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God and what we see here is we've seen in Genesis already where God intervenes when the army comes right when the army comes to take lot God uh, God intervenes when when uh, when when the Sodom is trying to corrupt Lot and just have going about their own deal. God intervenes. But God also intervenes in our own hearts, in our own sin. Go ahead, Kenneth. Abraham didn't willingly deceive Abimelech for game's sake or anything. He simply done it out of protection for his family. I don't think he meant any ill will toward Abimelech. Well, I don't think he meant any ill will toward Abimelech, but he was, in fact, telling a half-truth is telling a lie. He was lying. He was sinning. He did so out of, out of fear for his family. Fear for, yeah, well, fear for himself. He said, they'll kill me. They'll take my wife and kill me. Yeah. Absolutely. I guarantee you. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't trying to throw Abimelech in the fire. I don't know anybody that wouldn't tell a lie to try to protect their family, though. 
but a lie is still a lie. The point, the point that the writer is making here that, I, that I, I think he's making is that Abraham has a promise from God. And rather than trusting that promise, he's trying to use his own devices to get, to get around what he sees as perceived danger. I think I heard you say one time or another, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you said something to the effect of, if it comes down to me and my family and you and your family, I'm choosing my family first. I guarantee you. I still I don't I don't see nothing wrong with that at all. At all, at all. Not only. I think that's what he was doing. <clears throat> Well, I'm sure he wasn't. He would choose his family over Abimelech for sure. The problem that Abraham has here is that he wasn't trusting the promise of God to protect it. God has made him a promise that his his son. In in the chapter before this, he said it's within a year, within one year, I'm gonna return to you. Sarah's gonna have a son, and so rather than trusting that promise, rather than than keeping his integrity. And, you know, sometimes what I see is sometimes we'll face situations where it, it'll be easier just to lie rather than or it'll be easier to do something that is, um, you know, it's technically we can make an argument for it. But down in our heart, we really know that it's it's deceitful or it's, you know, uh, I can give you an example. Uh, uh, I've told this before. When I was in seminary, uh, they did classes. Some of our classes were online as far as you know, when I'm talking about, like, you watch the teacher online, watch the class, and then you take the test or whatever. Uh, one of the tests that I took was the Old Testament, Old, Old Testament um, uh, literature or something like that. And the test, these were notoriously hard classes, and they gave you 25 pages of notes, and you just basically had to memorize them. And so I memorized all these notes. I'm talking about memorizing. Memorize. I had them just like that, and they, it was all good. Go to take the test. The test was on a completely different set of notes that I had memorized. Mm. Now I have a choice. I'm sitting. I was sitting at that desk right there with my computer and my folders and stuff. I've got a choice. I can either risk it, make a big fat F on this exam, which is 45% of my grade, fail this class, or I got the notes right here, and nobody's looking around. I can just look at the notes and cheat, you know. And I'm thinking, you know, they really did this to me because they kind of gave me the wrong notes. And, and I'd love to tell you I made the right choice, but I didn't. I, I cheated my butt off. <laughs> I made a, I made, I made a B. But the, <laughs> it's probably not a great example, is it? <laughs> the next day. The Lord really convicted me. I mean, it's like I, I saw myself getting up into a pulpit one day as a preacher, a pastor, and all the time preaching the Word of God to people, knowing that you got here because you're a cheat. You got here because you lied. You got here because you deceived. And that, I mean, it took two or three days of that. I tried to put it out of my mind. I don't care. I don't care. It's What's behind me is behind me. You know, I, I do that deal. It got two or three days. God was just, and finally I called the professor crying. Like, I'm sorry, I cheated. You know, I called. He said, well, let me look. And he looked at the deal. He said, you took the wrong test, man. So you see, I could have just, I could have just, what you know, I could have just lied or whatever. In fact, I did lie. Um, But in my mind, the end justified the means, you know. 
Abraham, we saw this in chapter 12 when Abraham did the same thing with Pharaoh. He was saying, God made me a promise. Now, I'm the man. I'm Abraham. I'm the chosen one. We've got to protect God's promise. Sarah, if you really love me, you tell him you're my sister. Because God made me a promise. You know, we can speculate about what's going through Abraham's mind. But the point that he's making here is that God is going to protect his promise even if the stupidity of Abraham gets in the way. Mm -hmm. And God is going to protect his promise for you in Jesus Christ. Even if your stupidity gets in the way, even if my own sin gets in the way, God will do whatever is necessary to protect his promise and protect his word. Y'all with me? Yes. So, not saying, we saw that before in chapter 12, there's going to be consequences. So it's not like Abraham's just woo off the hook. We saw him going down to Egypt in chapter 12 and telling this lie, Pharaoh taking Sarah, who came home with him from Egypt. Hagar came home and you see what that that blew up a whole different thing with Ishmael and all that. There's consequences for your sin, but God intervenes right here in this place. So you understand that there is nothing, not even something inside of you, not even the flesh that you still reside in, not the fallenness of the world that's going to get in the way of a promise that I have made to you. And we know that the promise of Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of Abraham's promise. We read that in Galatians chapter 3. Y'all remember that? Everybody remember that? Mm-hmm. So this has to do with us. This has to do with us. I don't know about you guys, but it gives me great comfort. To know that God, nothing can separate me from the love of God. That's a promise. It gave me great comfort to know that God will supply my every need according to his riches and glory. I mean, pick your promises. There's hundreds of them. It gives me great comfort to know that even my own stupidity, which I'm reminded of daily, cannot stop God from keeping his promise. He's faithful and he's going to be faithful. For me, that's very comforting. Um, Abimelech says, it's not my fault. I didn't know. God says, tough. This is what, uh, this is what, uh, is going to happen. Verse seven. He says, this is what you need to do. If you want to get, if you want to get out from under my wrath, this is what needs to happen. He said, God told Abimelech now, therefore restore the man, his wife, give his wife back for he is a prophet. The first time the word prophet is used in the Bible. And he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. I don't know. Did nobody see that? It's hilarious. I didn't do nothing wrong. Why did I go to go apologize to him for it? Yeah, and this guy who deceived me is a prophet? Really? And and the guy who deceived me is going to pray for me? Are you kidding? Are you out of your mind? I mean, it, the whole thing just reeks with irony. It's like, okay, wait a minute. Let me make sure I understand you. The guy who got me into this mess is going to pray for me to get me out from under. It's almost like it, it just blows my mind. But what you see is Abraham is God's man. God chose Abraham not because he was the best guy, not because he was the most sinless guy, not because he was the best looking or the strongest or the bravest or the... He chose him for no other reason than the grace of God was put upon him, and that's his man. Doesn't matter. He's going to face consequences for his own sin. We're going to see that later on. But this is the man God has chosen, and therefore, Abimelech, you pagan Philistine, you... You want to talk to me? You got to go through my man. 
You got to go through that. What's that a picture of? The intercessor that intercedes for the sinner. Jesus. Yeah. It's not a perfect picture because Abraham really got him into it in the first place. But it's a picture of intercession. His man is inter- is going to intercede for you. Now, what, what does Abimelech do? Therefore, Abimelech rose early the next morning, called his servants, and told all these things in their ears. He did not hide it. He did it publicly. And it says the men were so afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham. I love this as well. And said to him, what has thou done to us? What have you done? And what have I offended thee? He says, what have I done to offend you that thou hast brought me and on my kingdom a great sin? You've done this. Thou hast done deeds unto me that should ought not be done. That ought not be done. And Abimelech said unto Abraham, what sawest thou? He's like, what did you see in my kingdom? That caused you to do this to us. You have basically thrown us into the fire of God's wrath with your de- deception. Look at Abraham's excuses. And you're a man of God. How dare you? A prophet, yeah. <laughs> that is the ironic thing. You see, this pagan Philistine king is scolding God's chosen and telling him about, I mean, he is, he's he basically, him accountable. he's holding him accountable, but it, it's ironic that this pagan king who doesn't know the Lord fears the Lord more than Abraham fears the Lord. That is so I mean, he, he's, he is, he, he respects the covenant of marriage more than Abraham respects the covenant. It's almost like you're, you're almost getting a picture of these guys, if you're reading this for the first time and you don't really know what's going on, wouldn't you be a little more sympathetic to Abimelech than Abraham? Yes. You'd be like, I mean, dang, this guy didn't really do it. He, they told him he was brother and sister. The point is not who is gooder. Is that a word, gooder? No. No. Better? Yes. The point is not who is better, who acts better, who is more moral, who is more... The point is who holds the promise of God. Who has the promise and the grace of God upon their life. It's not about who is the best acting guy. It's not about who is keeping the laws better. It's not about any of those things. It's about who has the grace of God on their life. Yes. And the same same thing with us. It's about the grace of God on your life. There might be pagans out there that are a whole lot more moral than I am. But without the promise of God, you're under judgment. That's what I was going to bring up when we're witnessing. One of the things that I have found brought to me many times is, well, you're no better than me. I guarantee. Yeah. I mean, what makes you think that my, my way of lifestyle is any worse than your lifestyle? And it's hard to show them grace. Right. When your life is messed up just as bad as theirs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree. It's hard to get them to understand that, that one drop. I agree. I agree. And but it's instructive for us, right? Because so we're his chosen man. If you're in Christ, you are his chosen. Absolutely. Absolutely. We bear the promise. And that's in Galatians chapter 3. If you want to go make sure I'm telling you the truth. The fulfillment of the promise made to Abraham is Jesus Christ. And if you be in Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heir according to the promise. Galatians 3.29. That's what it says. Paul uses this promise, the promise to Abraham, to show who we are. And so what you and I need to understand is this is not a license to go sin. This is not a license to say, well, we can do whatever we want because Abraham's going to 
face consequences. He's going to have consequences for his sin, and sin always brings consequences. But the point that we're seeing here is that the grace of God, the promise of God, is more powerful than anything that we can try to do to mess it up or anything that comes against us to try to invalidate that promise. Does that make sense? God will protect his promise. Is it time to go? Uh, we got 10 minutes. All right, we're almost done. And it says, um, where are we at? Abraham's about to give his excuses. That's right. In verse 11. And Abraham said, Because I thought, surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will slay me for my wife's sake. Was the fear of God in that place? <laughs> it was after God showed up and said, I'm going to kill all y'all. Yeah. He looked and he said, they don't fear God. They're going to kill me. And they're going to take my wife. There's something else I don't understand about this. Sarah's 90. I mean, come on, man. It's like she had to have been a hot 90, I guess. <laughs> now, she lived to be 120. So she could have been, she could have looked like 50, 60, maybe. Uh, who knows? Maybe Abimelech wanted to make a covenant with, make an alliance with Abraham's house. Who knows? But he still, he and her, were putting her on the line to save Abraham's life. Abraham's the one with the promise. They were, they were putting the promise of God in jeopardy by deceitfulness and a lack of faith in the promise that he made. And then he said, first, I looked at y'all and I thought... Pfft, they don't fear God. I better protect myself because, you know, I'm the promise bearer. And if the promise is going to come to pass, I need to work a scheme in order to get it done. The second thing he said is he tried to justify it on a technicality. And this is so me right here. I'm telling you, it was like a mirror looking at me when I read this. He's like, and yet indeed she really is my sister. She's the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. Is that true? Yes, but it's not. But that's it not is true. true that technically he, she is his half sister, but a half truth is a whole lie, mm -hmm. all the time. Yes, she is your sister, but she's also your wife, buddy. Remember what it said, and when we talked about the covenant of marriage, Genesis chapter two, all other covenants. Are, are thrown to the wayside when that marriage covenant happens. Remember it says you shall leave father and mother. Mm -hmm. And that, that covenant is no more uh, it's no, no, no more as important as this covenant. You're going to leave father and mother. You're going to be joined to your wife. Your two are going to be one flesh. So the brother sister thing, the half brother half sister thing that doesn't count anymore. If you're a man and wife and this guy comes and tries to take your wife, you can't say well she's just my sister. That's a lie. He deceived. He deceived Abimelech. Does that apply to the deep south marriages too? <laughs> it applies. If it applied to Abimelech, it applies to everybody. <laughs> Abimelech is a. Now come on now. We ain't gonna, uh, uh, Abimelech is a Philistine, and so we we saw that earlier that God's marriage covenant applies all people, all places, all times. There, it never changes, and so he says. Uh, uh, we're 13, and, and it came to pass, this is still Abraham speaking, giving excuses. I love this as well. This is a window into Abraham's mind that is it's meant to be shocking. 
We've read all this stuff about Abraham and about how wonderful he is and how faithful he is. It says that it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house. That's way back in chapter 12. That I said unto her, this is the kindness which thou shalt show to me at every place where we shall come. Say of me, he is my brother. They've been doing this for 25 years. The whole time from the moment God called him out of Ur of the Chaldees in chapter 12, everywhere they'd been wandering, that's what Abraham did. He wandered in the promised land. He never really settled anywhere in the promised land. Everywhere he went, his wife was in on the deal. Tell him you're my tell him you're my sister, and I'm gonna tell him you're my brother. He had been doing and evidently it had worked in a lot of places. Be sure your sins will find you out. Yeah. Where is their conviction here? Huh? I understand we go out and we make a mistake and we sin. You know, they say those who don't work from the past are destined to repeat it. Where is the conviction here? I mean, if he continuing to do this. I don't know. The the conviction we saw the conviction in chapter twelve, remember, when Abraham did it to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh basically, you know, we saw Abraham learn a lesson because in the very next section he acted differently and refused to take money from Sodom because of all that that happened with Pharaoh. Um what you're seeing here, the best that I can do is to tell you that he this is a reoccurring sin in his life. I'm sure it's one I mean, it, it, the sin is not just telling a lie. The sin is his faithlessness in trusting in the promise of God and making a scheme in order to protect, to protect the promise of God rather than trusting in that promise. But I understand what she's saying. Yeah. It's like, you know... I it should be gnawing away at him. It yeah. should be... I don't know. I mean, maybe it was. I, I can't say for sure. It doesn't tell us. But... It, it blows my mind to think that mighty Abraham, the great man of faith, I mean, he's lauded in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 11, for his wonderful, he had these sins that kept on rearing their head, just like we do, just like I do. It be that he was just mature enough and God says, you already know better anyway, why not I got to tell you? <laughs> I mean, we get to the point to where we don't have to tell our children, hey, you know you're wrong, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, you're old enough to know better. Maybe so. But 25 years, that's a that's pretty consistent. I mean, I don't know. I can't I can't answer that question. I I, I don't have I don't have a sufficient answer. All I know is 25 years that I've dealt with certain things in my life. <laughs> Absolutely. You, the whole of our life. Sometimes it's easier to get around it than others. And I think that's I think that's the point that we're going to see here. The, the thing that you and I need to take away as you're growing in Christ, as we're being discipled, as we're learning, sin is never okay. So don't if you hear that you have completely missed my missed the point of all of scripture. It's never okay, but there's a battle that goes on and you can, you know, there have been times where I have thought, you know, I have finally got victory over this one thing that's been over me all time. Praise God and then 2 weeks later here it comes again. I'm like there are things that we continually battle with over and over and over again. And the point for Abraham is not... The reason why you don't see the conviction, the reason why you don't see God just coming with a hammer and knocking Abraham over the head is because the point of Abraham is not you have to, you have to conquer this in order to be my man. He's already God's man. The point is you have to trust the promise. It's not... 
the, the, the point is not just quit lying. The point is, if you would just trust in the promise of God, you wouldn't have to do this mess. Trusting. You wouldn't have to act this way. You wouldn't have to live this way. Trusting, knowing God is God. And God will always, He will always step in to protect His promise. When it says nothing can separate you, by George, that's exactly what it means. God will not allow anything to separate His child from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. And that's what kind of what we see here. So Abimelech heard Abraham's dumb excuses. And he says, 14, And Abimelech took sheep, oxen, men servants, and women servants, and gave them into Abraham, and restored Sarah to him. Abimelech is obeying God's command. Remember, told him in his dream. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before thee. Dwell wherever you want to. Dwell where it pleases. pleases. I love this little shot Abimelech gives to Sarah and Abraham. He says, And unto Sarah he said, Behold, I have given, wink, wink, thy brother a thousand pieces of silver. See? <laughs> You see that deal? So I, a little shot there. I've given thy brother a thousand pieces of silver. Behold, he is he is to thee a covering of the eyes unto all that are with thee and with all other. Thus she was reproved. What that means is in regular speak is he gave them a thousand pieces of silver so that everyone would know her honor was not violated that she was still abraham's wife and that everything everything was uh uh nothing was nothing was dishonored in her that he had not touched her and it says verse 17 so after all that abraham prayed unto god and god healed abimelech evidently god had stricken abimelech with something and his wife and his maidservants and they bore children for the Lord had fast closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's that's wife. What he was struggling with. Yeah, that's what he was struggling with. Now, he called Sarah, he called Abraham, he called Abraham uh, God's, he, Abimelech called Abraham Sarah's brother. Wink, wink, thy brother. God called Sarah Abraham's wife. It says, for the Lord has fast closed up. This is a narrator speaking, Moses. For the Lord had fast closed up all the wounds of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, not Abraham's sister, Abraham's wife. Okay? So what you see here is this chapter makes Abraham look really bad. I mean, it makes, it makes him look like... It makes him look faithless. It makes him look... Sinful. I mean, up until now, we've seen Abraham has been, I mean, he's been the man. He saddled up and go fought armies for Lot. He he told the king of Sodom to take a hike when he tried to give him money. He, he I mean, he's done all these things that just, they just bleed faith, 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 faith. Abraham believed and he was just the man. He was a great host to the angels when he didn't know there were angels that came to it. I mean, he was the man. But here you see even amongst all of this time where Abraham has been showing the strength of faith, there has been there has been this thing going on with him. This lack of faith, this lack of trust, this, this stuff going on. And in this text, you see that God is going to protect his promise. Even though, for all intents and purposes, Abimelech looks like a better guy than Abraham does. 
But Abimelech is not under the promise of God. He is not under the grace of God. Abraham is. And God looks at Abraham not through the actions of his life only, but through the grace that has been placed upon him. Y'all with me? And so, because we have part in Abraham's promise through Jesus Christ, he looks at us through that grace. And he's going to protect his promise, even from your own stupidity, your own sin, your own dumbness, and anything that would come against you. Make sense? Questions? All right, got to go. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. We pray you be with us during service and that you would uh, help us to worship.